close your eyes and bring your attention to your body. Let go of any tension you are holding in your face, jaw, head, neck, shoulders, arms, hands and fingers, torso, legs, feet and toes. Lean your body slightly from front to back and side to side until you rest in a comfortable posture where you feel centered, balanced, and relaxed. Now bring your attention to your breath. Inhale deeply. Hold for two seconds. Now breathe out all the tension, stress, or negativity you might be feeling. One more time. Breathe in deeply. Hold. Exhale slowly all the way. As your breathing returns to normal, gently turn your thoughts and attention to Alma the Younger's missionary speech in Alma chapter 5. We previously pondered some of the questions Alma posed to his listeners. Now we will continue where we left off, starting with Alma's invitation for his listeners to imagine themselves at Judgment Day. Ponder how you would answer these questions if Alma were posing them to you. Alma asks, Do you view this mortal body raised in immortality and this corruption raised in incorruption to stand before God to be judged according to the deeds which have been done in the mortal body? Can you imagine to yourself that you hear the voice of the Lord saying unto you in that day, Come unto me, you blessed, for behold, your works have been works of righteousness upon the face of the earth. Or do you imagine to yourself that you can lie unto the Lord in that day and say, Lord, my works have been righteous works upon the face of the earth, and that he will save you?
Otherwise, can you imagine yourself brought before the tribunal of God with your soul filled with guilt and remorse, having a remembrance of all your guilt, yea, a perfect remembrance of all your wickedness, yea, a remembrance that you have set at defiance the commandments of God. Can you look up to God at that day with a pure heart and clean hands? Can you look up, having the image of God engraven upon your countenance? The next questions are more accusatory. Alma's remarks are specifically directed at the people of the church who are struggling with specific sins. Alma challenges them with the following questions. Can you think of being saved when you have yielded yourself to become subject to the devil? How will you feel if you shall stand before the bar of God, having your garments stained with blood and all manner of filthiness? these things testify against you.
Will they not testify that you are a murderer? Will they not also testify that you are guilty of all manner of wickedness? chief judge has a legal background. His view of Judgment Day is similar to a legal proceeding, with two adverse sides trying to prove their case. On the one hand, our good works and righteousness will justify us and stand as evidence of our worthiness for salvation. But on the other side, Alma suggests that our wrong choices and our sins and weaknesses will be used to testify against us, to make the case that we are not worthy for salvation. This is why the atonement, and thus repentance, is so important. It can wipe out all the evidence against our salvation and give us the change of heart that is required for salvation. And while salvation isn't something you earn through good works, it is something that you have to learn and apply and become. And that comes through the mighty change of heart that Alma mentions so many times in his speech. With the accessibility of the atonement firmly in mind, ponder Alma's next question. Do you suppose that such an one can have a place to sit down in the kingdom of God with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob, and also all the holy prophets whose garments are cleansed and are spotless, pure and white? The next section of Alma's speech invites listeners to assess their own spiritual condition. As you ponder these next seven questions, be honest but gentle with yourself. Remember that perfection is an end goal, not an immediate expectation. If you have experienced a change of heart, and if you have felt to sing the song of redeeming love, can you feel so now? Thank you. 
Have you walked keeping yourself blameless before God? Could you say, if you were called to die at this time within yourself, that you have been sufficiently humble? Could you say that your garments have been cleansed and made white through the blood of Christ? Are you stripped of pride? Is there one among you who is not stripped of envy? Is there one among you that doth make a mock of his brother, or that heapeth upon him persecutions? Professor Welch recalls one of his professors, Robert K. Thomas, once saying, The reason that mocking and laughter is so pernicious is because there is no answer for it. When so attacked, you cannot rationally reply, and of course, you cannot laugh or even mock back. That just makes matters worse. Maybe we can laugh at ourselves and deflect the mocking a little bit, but laughter is something that you cannot respond to. It stops a conversation, and people who mock know that. Once the damage is done, There is no way to recover from it, so we must be really careful.
After asking these tough questions, Alma reminds his listeners that Christ invites all men to come unto him and his arms of mercy are extended towards them and he saith, Repent and I will receive you. This is where we will stop for now. We will ponder the remaining questions in the last part of this series. When you are ready, take a final deep breath and slowly turn your awareness back to your body as you open your eyes and return to your surroundings. Take a moment to jot down any thoughts, promptings, or questions that came to mind while you were pondering. And if necessary, make a plan to act on those things. 